Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction of any kind or those searching for a better way to live. Rich and Susan Collenberg found freedom from drug addiction and alcoholism over two decades ago. In the series, The Temple of the Mind, Part Two, they examine motives, our tendencies to judge others, and the dangers that lie ahead for God's people so all can have prepared hearts and minds to be the temple of His Holy Spirit. Take every thought captive now on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose and our series, The Temple of the Mind, Part 2. And this is Freedom to Choose, Part 2, Program Number 31. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. That's Luke chapter 11 and verse 4. So, Temple of the Mind, Part 2, and it's program number 31. And Susan, would you open with a word of prayer, please? Yes, our loving Father in heaven, we are grateful that um, we can come to you with our hearts and our sins before us and that um, you desire nothing more than to forgive us and to set us right because that's who you are in your character of love. And uh, we just pray that you will help each one of us to remember um, those traits that you are, um, that you embellish, that you um, provide to all who will come—that forgiveness and that love—that is um, unmatched in this world today. And so we're grateful for that. Help us to always remember that, and be with us during this program. And we thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Susan. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk before we we're going to get into a little bit about dying to self and forgiveness and stuff like that, but. I jotted some notes down here before the program that I wanted to ambush Susan with. I, I actually have my own notes. You have notes. your own notes I that do, you can. But I yeah. think they ambush me as opposed to ambushing you. So, well, uh, But we were talking about fear. And do we have, what do we have a new addition in our home? Oh. Three new little additions, don't we? What are they? They're cats, kittens, kittens, kittens. But but you picked them up, and they were what kind of? They kitten? were feral kittens, feral kittens, and they're for the outside, right? Feral kittens, and so for... we've gone through the process of what, of, of, of <laughs> introducing ourselves to them for be, uh, for a, uh, lack of a better term. But what, what you said right before the program really struck me as that's it. Why aren't why don't they come to us? Because they're afraid. They're afraid. Fear. And so you've got. But the, the weird thing is that all they know is that we provide the food, we mm-hmm. provide the water, we provide a warm home, we we're providing all this goodness, and yet they're scared to death of us. Exactly. Right. And so you've got the little gray one where she got on your lap today, and you yes. petted her and stuff, and yes. she's warming right up to us. But that's how. See, human beings, we were, we're born feral. 
<laughs> right? Right. We run from God and we don't even know why. Right. And he we supplies, run around like little maniacs yeah, like and these little cats do. And he supplies everything for us and, and we know it and, and we he, still run from and him. And he just says, just come to me because I mean, I, I mean nothing but love and kindness to you. Exactly. And we're like, no, it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> yeah. And it's incredible. It, that, but that was, it's a, um, it, I just thought about that when you said when she finally got up on your lap today and you petted her for a while. And I mean, yeah, I I would love to get in God's lap, but, you know, sometimes I'm afraid. Right. What of? I don't know. Well, and the funny, not the funny thing, but what happens is, is that, um, you know, you can be really gentle and really kind with these little kittens and everything's good. And then all of a sudden something clicks in their head and they're scratching you and they're, you know, they're... um, hissing at you or whatever and so that's kind of like a model of what we do to god a lot of times yeah you know sometimes we're okay god i love you i need you and then we're like oh no don't i don't want to be around you god because i don't want something comes over us right and And i just want to go my own way we start hissing at him right we want to go our own way we don't want to have a conscience to lead us into a better way we just want to do it ourselves which normally when we're on our own it's selfishness and self-centered and it's a disaster yeah yeah and and so anyway i just thought that was that was incredible that we, right before the program you're talking about that that little girl yeah and yeah but fear yeah and 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 we're going to talk a little you said you had a note you wanted to talk oh, about oh that's okay uh, it's going to come it's going throughout to, the it thing. will be an ambush then okay yeah. um but i want to talk a little bit about dying to self because it ties in with forgiveness. And someone sent this to me a while back, but really it says when you're forgotten or neglected or purposely put down, but you don't sting and you don't hurt with the insult or the oversight, but your heart is still happy, being counted worthy to suffer for Jesus, that is dying to self. Or when your good is maliciously spoken of, when your wishes are crossed, when your advice is disregarded, your opinions are ridiculed, your best intentions are misinterpreted, and you refuse to let anger rise in your heart or even defend yourself, but rather take it all in patient, loving silence, knowing that Christ alone is your defender. That is dying mm, to self. That's beautiful. Um, when you patiently tolerate annoyance, disorder, inconvenience, irregularity, and even punctuality from others— when you feel your time has been wasted or you've been treated harshly and unfairly and yet you still respond in love, maintaining your peace and enduring these things with meekness as Jesus endured them, that's dying to self. Yes, when you're unruffled with less than desirable accommodations, not complaining with meager food, difficult climates, rearranged travel schedules, when you maintain cheerfulness even though others are grumpy, when you're loving, kind, and attentive, even to those to do you, who do you no benefit by their association, when you remain calm despite interruptions to your agenda and plans by the will of God, that is dying to self. Well, I, I'm just going to say what the message I sent to you earlier today. I was listening to an interview on this gentleman who I would never think would even think along these lines said, sometimes I get in my head and I think that I'm somebody, then I can get offended. Mm -hmm. But when I remember I'm nobody, I don't get offended. And so you kind of, I think that we can, you know, look to the life of Christ, and he made himself a nobody. Of no reputation. Right, 
to enter into companionship with with humanity and he went through his life being treated and disrespected his whole life basically and yet he never retaliated he never took offense he never made himself above others that it would you know, like for me, I'm always about, well, I deserve this or I deserve that. And, and then, then we get in the way. Right. Then, you know, um, I, it's when you have expectations and they're not met, then you become resentful. And that's what we were talking about was was my way, always mm-hmm. wanting my way, making myself important. If I didn't get my way in the past, I have resentments. Right. If I'm not getting my way right now, I have anger. And my fear is I may not get my way in the future. So you have fear, anger, and resentments, which is the addict's biggest enemy. It's right. the sinner's biggest enemy. Right. Fear, anger, and resentments. And it all revolves around putting ourselves in the center and trying to get our way. So I think that one of the biggest thing that I think that the world can come to us and and hum, and so humans fall prey to contemplation of as to what I deserve or it's not fair or shoulda coulda would have been and I think that we waste our time and our emotions on things of this world and that's in that way do you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah. thinking that we deserve i mean you know our when we first got clean and sober and then ended up getting married shortly after that i don't know that i had a whole lot of expectations so i think for me my marriage and my life for the last you know 26 27 years has been really blissful Really? Yeah, okay. it has been. All right, that's you know, nice to know. Yeah, I try to, um, you know, you got. We all have to take the good with the bad, the the pain with the joy, and um, be willing to understand that we're in a temporary holding pattern here on mm-hmm. this planet. That God has something so much more for us. Mm-hmm. So when you don't ref- care to refer to yourself in conversations, when you don't feel the need to boast of your accomplishments. Record every good deed that you for the that you did for the world to see. When you don't itch after condemnation and applause, when you don't mind when others are acknowledged and your name is ignored, when you're more concerned with being faithful to God's call, when you're okay to be unknown, that is dying to self. There's a whole lot in this, isn't there? When right. you see your brother prospering, when you see him succeeding with a project that you contributed to, and yet you can honestly rejoice with him in spirit, being happy to remain behind the scenes, not questioning God, being grateful that the work is being accomplished so that God is glorified. That is dying to self. Right. When you can receive correction and proof, reproof from one of less stature than yourself, can humbly submit inwardly as well as outwardly, finding no rebellion or resentment rising up within your heart, that is dying to self. So... Dying to self, because you you just can't put it into one sentence. What does it mean to die to self? We just kind of encapsulated it there in those few paragraphs that we we just read. And I, I but that is the gospel in a nutshell is putting others first mm-hmm. and dying to self. And so Jesus now says in the Lord's prayer, prayer, Lord, forgive us our sins 
for as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And we want to break down why he says that, because he teaches that we can receive forgiveness from God. In other words, the key word is receive. We can receive forgiveness from God only as we forgive others. It's the love of God that draws us to him. And that love can't touch our hearts without creating love for our brothers and sisters. And after contemplating the Lord's Prayer, Jesus added, If you forgive men their trespass, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men of their trespass, then neither will God forgive your trespasses. So this is not an exchange. In other words, I got okay, I got to forgive this guy or God won't forgive me. Right. That's that's not what it means. What it means is the person who has an unforgiving spirit cuts off the very channel through which God which he or she can receive mercy from God. We shouldn't think that unless those who have injured us, injured us confess their wrongs, uh, unless they do that, we're justified in withholding our forgiveness from them. It, we can't be beholden to how somebody else acts. Right, because that's their part. That's their part, which that's is their, not our part. Exactly. Their part is to have their own heart change, just like it's our part to have our own heart, our own heart change. And, you know, so, so many times we like to try to be the Holy Spirit and try to go around and manage people's issues. Try to and, get our way. Right. And God is saying, you know, I'm, I'm more concerned about your heart and where your heart is. And I think the thing that we, that we miss it, because I think from a worldly standpoint, we can say, but if I forgive them, then they have something over me, and that's not fair, once again. and I, That's a twisted— Right, but I think that's how a lot of us feel. I yeah. know that for me, forgiveness was the biggest roadblock that I had in my recovery for the first 25, 35 years of my life was— Holding resentments is what was actually killing me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I learned about the concept of forgiveness and 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 not the world's concept of forgiveness, but God's concept of forgiveness that I was actually began the change so into we, a different person. And so when we break that down, when you learned how to forgive, you opened up a channel of to healing, God of, of healing. Yes. See, and that's what Jesus means. If we can't forgive our brothers, we'll never be able to embrace that forgiveness that God right. has for us. Right, you won't have the capacity the, because you block exactly. God's ability to come in and to grow your heart and to and to, and to rework your brain so that um, it, it's almost like a— um, it's like a light comes into your brain cells and highlights something that's not been developed yet. But God's love comes in there with this glorious shining light and activates a part of your brain that's maybe dead to that impression from God. I don't know if I'm kind of going on and on. But then once that's activated, it's like, boom, you can you can start walking a start whole through another new, lens. Right. You're in a whole new path of life. Well, that's why the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Is because the more we sin, the more we like it. The more we like it, the more we sin, and the more we're separated from God in each step of the way. And we lose the very capacity to embrace God's love. When we have an unforgiving heart, we lose the very capacity to embrace God's forgiveness. Well, and the thing, too, is that when we 
when we're unforgiving, we're what I think is behind it too is that we're not only are we judging ourselves, the person that we're not forgiving, but most of all, we're judging God that He's incapable of making things go the way that we think they should go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're still trying to manipulate things, but when I finally was a, when I finally, because um, we you know what we get a lot of people that call us when we talk about forgiveness. Because it's such a foreign thing to our human hearts that a lot of people are stuck in that in that place where they can't forgive somebody that's done dastardly things to them, that's done hurtful, harmful, um, life-changing things that happens to a person. So I was sexually molested when I was a little girl, and that was life-altering, life-ruining, life-destroying events that destroyed who I was as a little girl and and as a person growing up. But the freedom that I finally felt when I finally just truly forgave them without expectations of a change of behavior from those people, that's when I finally was able to let go and to live life without anger and resentment and fear and I was able to grow as a person. So you didn't need to manipulate them into the behavior that you needed them to behave in order to forgive them. Because, see, we're right back in Edom. You you shall be as gods. That right. we, we, and that's what Eve went for. Right. She wanted to be able to manip, manipulate. The, as soon as she took a bite, she went to her husband, let's manipulate him. Right. Right? And so you didn't need that. And what a burden that gets— it's chains taken that bind off of you, you. right? Yeah, because it, it binds you having to have somebody do what you need them to do in order for you to feel okay about them. That's binding. That's that. But it. But if you're if you're okay inside your own skin and you can forgive someone just on the basis of forgiveness because God forgave you, it's. Life changing. Right. It, that it, center in the brain gets activated yeah. and you become a new person. It doesn't mean that everything changes overnight, but you start to look at things in a different way. Yeah, because sometimes we take that unforgiving spirit like a tasty morsel. In other words, no matter if someone wounds us, we're not to cherish those grievances and sympathize with ourselves over our injuries, but we're supposed to pardon them just like God has pardoned us. Right. Um, so forgiveness has that broader meaning. When God gives the promise that he will abundantly pardon, he adds as if the meaning of the promise exceeded all that we could comprehend. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, say the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's Isaiah 55, 7 through 9. So when I learned the concept of in order to forgive somebody, I needed to pray for them the same things that I wanted in my own life, it was such a foreign thought to want good for somebody who had harmed me because all I ever wanted was for them to be harmed the way they harmed me. Mm-hmm. I wanted God to get justice. I wanted God to get revenge. I wanted them to pay right. 
for what they had done for me. Right. But then it just flips around and it's like, wow, you're praying for nothing but goodness for them. And so yeah, yeah, it changes your whole perspective. Yeah. In God's fear, forgiveness, it's not just a judicial act by where he sets us free from condemnation. It's not only forgiveness for sin, but a reclaiming from sin. It's the outflowing of redeeming love that transforms the heart. David had the true conception of forgiveness when he prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Psalm 51, verse 10. And that's after, after he sinned with Bathsheba, he's praying that prayer. Right, and in Psalm 103, 12, he says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. God in Christ gave himself for our sins. He suffered the cruel death of the cross, born, bore for us the burden of guilt, the just for the unjust, and he, that he might reveal to us his love and to draw us to himself. On that cross, he showed us how God does not want to harm us. Right. But he wants to forgive us. Right. And he wants us to come to him. He wants to win us. Yes. And one of the thieves looked at him and said, I'll have no part of it. And then the the other thief says, I like what I see. Do you like what you see when you have your God, which we nailed on the cross, forgiving you for doing it. And and so I, and I think one of the other concepts that we've learned along the way is to try to see other people through the eyes of God. Try to see people in a way that you desire nothing more than for them to be one of the kingdom, just like God has won us to the kingdom. And I think the only way a person could do that is, we be, go back to the beginning of, of the program, noticing how selfish we really are. Right. Because I read through that list, Dying to Self, and i tell you what, I got it all. <laughs> I got every <laughs> one of those symptoms. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so when I see that, and I see how gracious God has been with me in spite of those character defects, then I'm all able to look at someone through a different lens right. saying, so he's if, been so kind to me, my word. Yeah, he's been so compassionate to you. Are we God is capable of giving us the power to have compassion towards others because you you can't get that from the human heart. It can only come from a spiritual nature and God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are the ones that can provide us that power. So the power isn't to set things right according to a human heart. The no. power is to draw. So, you know, that's the thing. It's like God give some give everything you've given to me to the person that's hurt me the most. That's mm-hmm. that's like the prayer that is the best prayer that you, that will free you, and and give God an 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 opportunity to act on someone else's behalf. Yes, yes, and and when we find that there is someone that has wronged us, and yet it is still rewarding to us. To see God work in that person's life, that's when you know you're making a little headway. That's when you that's when you know that's you're changing. True, that's true life. That's true life because right. we should wish for all the grace for everyone else that God has given to us. But the only way to really realize that is to look through that you know, read Paul's writing 
the fruits of the spirit and how unlike we are of them. Mm-hmm. And and to read, you know, you talked about the you talked about the old man in the in the coffin and that we should not feed that old nature, you know, when we hold those resentments. In other words, you know, that old man Paul says reckon him dead, put him in that coffin and every day throw a couple nails in that coffin. But what we want to do is we want to pry that lid up every other day or so and slip that old man a sandwich you know we want to be mad at somebody we want to be justified we want to be justified right. we want to be resentful we want to be angry we didn't get our way we put ourselves in the center and i think just an awareness of that right now especially in this time in earth's history the unawareness of how gracious god is to us is going to relieve the temple of our minds of all the burden that is going on around us and the craziness and the need for us to justify our own existence and, you know, our own behavior and the way we are in the world. Mm-hmm. We are going to have to wrap it up. If you ha- if you want some resources, we have a couple books. Uh, uh, could it be this simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? That's a workbook as well as Clean Seven Steps to Freedom. Uh, just give us a call or uh, go to www.justasiamministries. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you for listening to The Temple of the Mind, Part 2 on Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison?, Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. Thank you for listening and remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Power